You can tell that uh, Josh is about to go on vacation and Peter's away because I'm up here. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the last time I, well, not the last time, one of the previous times when I preached, uh, a friend came up to me after the service and said, uh, you sound like a Baptist. And I, you, know, I, you know how different thoughts run through your mind when you're trying to figure out what the proper response is? I thought, first was, well, that's not bad. Uh, second was, did I only preach for 15 minutes? And the third, I finally got down to the meat of it. I said, well, I had the foresight to ask, well, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, you told us what to do, but you didn't tell us why to do it. You know, all you did was give instruction. You didn't point to Christ. That's a pretty strong criticism, you know. And I took it to heart, and I thought about it, and thought about it, and I thought, you know, I, I can learn from that. So today, today we're going to look at the end of Christmas. And next week, Josh will close out this series, but we're going we're gonna to look to the end of Christmas, and uh, the end of Christmas is the beginning of Easter. You see, Christ fulfilled his ministry in his death and in his resurrection. And all of what we celebrated, all the gift-giving, all the preparation all the friendliness, all the fun we had these past few days point to the cross. And if we lose sight of that, if we lose sight of that, we're missing the boat. So if you walk out of here today and you don't feel as though I have properly directed you to Jesus Christ, I would appreciate it if you'd tell me that. Because when we talk in terms of giving, if we talk in terms of gifts, we have to measure it all in what Jesus Christ has done for us. With that as a background, let's take a look at today's scripture. It's uh, one verse. Corey, if you could bring it up. Matthew 26, 39. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we know of no greater love than what you've shown us. We ask that we would understand, work, move, find our entire being in you. That we would stand before you and say we wish to worship you and be holy and to be spotless before you. But we know we could not be spotless before you if you had not shed blood. We thank you for coming to earth. We thank you for thinking it not equal, not important to be equal with God, but to come down as a man in the form of a man. We pray, Lord, that we might realize what the coming ministry you were to have as you were after you were born, the bearing of that, the love of that, the persecution you suffered, that all of that would, would give us motivation to do what is right. For we know, Lord, that if you'd not first loved us, we would not love you. We pray more than anything that that would be our hallmark cry. Let us love you, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I think, this is a Ken Luntism, I think one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible is the one we just read. And not even the whole verse, the last part. Yet not as I will, but as you will. There is nothing that shows the love of Jesus Christ more than the way he served the Father when he said, I have a will, but what my will is is not important compared to what your will is. I'm going to set aside pride. I'm going to set aside guile. 
I'm going to set aside personal interest for the sake of following your will. Not my will, Father, but yours. And all of Christmas points to that. All of it. So as we go into the thrust of the message, we have to ask ourselves first and foremost, what's the difference between doing something out of love and out of obedience? Now, Christ was an historical figure. He uh, changed history, as a matter of fact. We know that he lived. We know that he walked. We know that he claimed to be Christ, to be God. We know that he was resurrected. That's attested to in and outside of Scripture. Those are all incontrovertible facts. But the question is, why did he do it? He did it because he loved the Father. He did it so that we might have life in him. He showed us love and obedience in one step. But without love, I mean, I seriously doubt there would have been obedience without love of the Father in Christ's mind. You can't go through, humanly speaking, what he went through out of sheer obedience. There has to be love. And again, as Donald pointed out in one of his comments, Christ loved us first, and he loved the Father. So when we talk about why we do the things, when we get into what are the gifts, what do we give, what do we do, we always look at that under the umbrella of God's love. We look at it under what God has done for us, what Christ has done for us. And only then can we successfully say, I'm going to be obedient to something, not because I'm disciplined, but because I love in return. Then that is where re- the reason the title of this message is giving back, not only to God, but to each other. And it's because Christ loved us. So the outline for today, you know, maybe it is a little Baptisty, maybe sort of Peterish too. It's got three points. What has God given us? What do we give back to God? And what do we give to each other? The key question is, one of the key questions that we can ask is, what has God given us? The answer is quite simple. He has given us everything. Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold, so if you see me going for something to drink a lot, I apologize, but I'll start hacking and wheezing if I don't. Picture Christ's sweating blood when he says, not my will but yours. He gave us his entire life. He gave it so that we would be saved. His death brought about our salvation. We pray on a regular basis, even as we were taught to pray. You know, our Father who's in heaven, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Why do we pray that? Because that's what God can do. He can give us those things. He does give us those things. God gives us everything. There's a different difference between needs and wants. God's death brought about our salvation. And in response to that, we give back to God. God's needs and wants are different than ours. He doesn't need anything. You would go to the the next slide, please. Uh, Next slide. We'll get back to it. Okay, in in Acts and Job 41.11, God says everything under heaven belongs to him. In Acts 17.25, it says God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. 
but he tells us to love him. We give him back things. We give him back adoration. We give him back joy. We give him back submission. We give him back resistance to sin. <coughs> Excuse me. We give him back purification. We'll get into all of these. Humbleness, purpose, repentance. But how do we do that? You know, if God is so great, if God is so wonderful, how can he demand that or request that or want that from us? How can we ever give something that's pleasing to him? Well, let me, let me just throw this one out to you. You know, I, I'm going to guess that everybody in this room somewhere in their house has a picture that a child made. And that picture is probably done on a kitchen table with crayons and the child's going like this and they're working feverishly to give it to you. And you look at it and, you know, you sort of have to guess what it is. And he'll tell you there's the sun, there's the stars. Here's an airplane, we've got a boat over here. There's the dog. You don't see it, but you love it. Why do you love it? Because it's that child's best effort. And that child wants to give it to you. Why? Because that child loves you. Now, is the art good? Probably not. You know, is it appreciated? Yes. And I'll go a little bit stronger on this. Judy and I have a picture hanging over our bed that our two sons did when they were Oh, man, it's 45 years ago, maybe a little more than that, uh, 40 years ago. And Judy was in the hospital on an Easter, uh, over Easter weekend, so there's this picture of three rabbits and a mother rabbit in the hospital bed with an IV going down to it. From an artistic standpoint, I think weak doesn't begin to describe it. <laughs> but that picture... Years later, I dug it out of something. We kept it, you know, it was on the refrigerator. We kept it and we framed it. And it hangs by itself on the wall over our bed. Why? Because we love what it represents. It's the best effort of my children to show their mother, who was sick in a hospital, that, she, that they loved her. That means a lot to us. They didn't stay in the lines when they crayoned. The ears of the rabbits are different sizes. Doesn't matter. It was their best effort, and they did it because they loved us. That is the discipline. That is the appreciation that comes to, to pleasing God, to bring to him your best, realizing that it's not nearly good enough to save yourself, but you do it because you love him. Because he said, not my will, but yours be done. Now, I said, what do we bring to God? Well, there's a lot. We bring submission to God. That means we place God's will over ours. It's different than humility, but we bring humility to God. Let me explain the difference quickly. And each one of these could be, this could be a sermon series, but we've got a half an hour. You know, I like dogs. We used to have two English masters, and they were they're big. One was 200 pounds, one was 180. And we said to them, sit. And they sat. We said to them, lie down. 
They lied down. They were obedient. They submitted to our will. But if we were out of the house for a while, and we came home, to the door, we'd open the door, and they were happy to see us, and they flipped over on their backs, and they raised their legs, and they wanted you to scratch their stomach. It's humility. There's a difference between submission and humility. But they both go to God. We bring joy. Now, this one's tough. I mean, I, I don't even know. If, this is not a comprehensive list of things we bring to God. And I'm not, by nature, this may be hard for you to believe, but by nature, I'm not a joyful person. And yet, God made his joy complete in me. And I have, to, I have to sit and figure out, well, how do I bring this joy to God? What do I do? If the joy in me is complete, how do I show it to God that I'm thankful for it? My belief is that we do that by realizing what Christ has done to us and how we, it has set an example for us and we can be joyful we can be happy for that. We can't get to heaven on our own. We need Christ. And he has done it for us. And that brings joy and happiness. In the midst of everything else, everything else, we have joy. Because Christ, we know where we're going. You know, that, that address is set. And that should bring us joy in all things. The other ones are purification, purpose, repentance. Oh, gee, repentance. Didn't we just do that? I'm done for the week, right? I can do whatever I want now. I ask God to forgive me. No, repentance, repentance is change of direction. You know, it's, you're going this way, and you repent and go this way. Do we bring honest to goodness? Do we seek to bring honest to goodness change to our lives when we bring repentance? Or are we content to do this one sin over and over and over again. You know, would that be asking for false forgiveness? You know, I know I'm going to do it again, Lord. Maybe not. Maybe it is. I don't mean to make anyone think that, there's, that I know the answers to all these questions. I don't. You know, I'm perfectly willing. It says forgive 70 times 7. If that's the same sin, 70 times 7, we have to do it. No, but we have to bring, we have to have repentance. And these are the things that we can bring to God. You know, against what he has done for us, they're stick figure drawings. Stick figure drawings. You know, there's, there's those little colored outside the lines things that God takes and puts on his refrigerator. I trust he's not angry with me for the analogy. That's what we do. But if we only did it to God, if we only did it to God, the question is, would that be sufficient? You know, as far as what our responsibilities are. And therein lies the problem. We do not keep our love and obedience of Christ and God the Father in a vacuum. The world should see it. The world should know that we're Christians. And we do that by giving gifts to one another. 
I'm not talking about how nicely is it wrapped. I'm not talking about did you get exactly what that person wants. I'm not talking about is it the right size. That's all great. It's all good. There's a common grace that goes throughout the Christmas season where people who don't really like you are even nice to you because it's Christmas season. And the other is true too. But there's a real, spiritual, honest, forthcoming grace that Christians have that they have to exercise over and over and over again to one another. First, you can look at the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are unique. Now, we all have, to some degree, these things, but let me just read some to you. Generosity, serving, encouraging, leadership, showing mercy, teaching. These are all gifts. There are three others that are more technical. That would be uh, prophecy, speaking in tongues, and healing. I know for a fact I don't have any of those. I know for a fact that some of those are not gifts that I have. In fact, maybe all of them are not gifts that I have. But I can say this, that I have the responsibility to show every one of those aspects whether or not I have a gift. And if you do have the gift, you will show it in such abundance that everyone will see it. Everyone will know it. And they will be able to say, that person is different than me. Why? And you can say, because I love Jesus Christ. That's why I'm different. It's not because I'm a better person. It's because I'm saying, not my will, but yours. And you've given me a special gift, and I'm going to use it for you. As you go from here, as you move on from here, you will find that there are also fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit are love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Faithfulness is in that list, too. I forgot to put it in. As you grow, as you exercise your love for Christ, you will bear fruit. And we give these to one another. I mean, none of these are linear. It's not like, okay, Monday I do love uh, Thursday, I'm going to do gentleness. Self-control, I'm going to do between midnight and seven in the morning every night. You know, and move on from there. That's not the picture. These are all intertwined. It's like an explosion in a string factory. Everything's together. And all these gifts, all these fruits, work together for the, the growth of the... Well, first off, your growth, and for the growth of the church, and the purity of the church. And this is what we give to one another. Great. I'm going to do it. I've got Christian friends I can deal with. I've got Christian people that I know I can be gentle with. I can be... It's so nice. You know, I'm watching John working over there, and I can say it's so nice for me to be given to gentleness when I talk to John working. He may not notice it. But in my mind, I'm being gentle. But he's a brother in the Lord. And if I screw up, he's going to forgive me. But these gifts aren't just to use within the church. These gifts are to use in the community. And that's what we call, in some ways, evangelism. Do we allow letting Christ say, not my will, but yours be done, affect our lives uh, what's, the, what's everybody's favorite? Driving down Route 4. You know, it's so simple to say that. 
and I am chief among sinners. You know, do we do it? Do we do it in the stores? Do we try to push our way ahead? Do we do things out of pride rather than out of rec recognizing what Christ has done? Did it ever occur that love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are things that everybody needs, and we're the ones that bear testimony before the watching world to Jesus Christ to say, these are the things we have to, we have to exercise. And if we do, the question then is asked, how? You know, the one I've left out, the one I've left out so far, and I love to talk about it, is 1 Peter 4.9. And if you'll give me a second, I happen to have it up there. Uh, Above all other, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. How? Without grumbling. Now, we're a church. It's a fairly social church. We like to entertain one another. And we think of that as being hospitable. Is that what true hospitality is? Is it the food we serve? Is it how well the table is set? Is it what we prepare? Is it who we invite? Or is hospitality opening yourself up to another person, to welcome them, to be by them, to be beside them? And to do that without grumbling. You know, it's like you've opened your house up to have a, the, the relative that you hope doesn't come stay with you. You know, oh, I love that relative, but not as much as I like 900 other people. And that person's in your house. Do they know you're being hospitable to them? Do they know that you're showing all the other things that we talked about to them? And how do they know that? It's not that you're going to beat your breasts and say, I'm hospitable. You're going to be there because you're making them welcome and comfortable and presenting a testimony of Jesus Christ. All of this, all of this affects the way we look at the world. Not only do we welcome people into our home, not only do we exercise these gifts in the church, we have to do it in the community at large. And I would encourage, I would encourage each one of you to think in terms of what volunteerism is. Sure, we have ushers, we have Sunday school teachers, you can always use more, it's nice to get involved in the church. But what do we do in a community? Do we give back to the community? Do we run for the Board of Education? Are we volunteer firemen? Do we coach Little League? Are we involved with the food pantry? What do we do in the community? For if all we do is show these fruits and show these gifts to one another, we're putting our light under a basket, folks. We are. We're not giving to one another. So, you know, this is my one shot probably for a couple months to preach to you. And uh, I, I'd I'd really like to encourage you along some lines. First off, is it your will or God's will that you're living? Pure and simple. Not my will, but yours be done. 
I'm not saying you have to sweat blood like Christ did to, to set an example, but I'm saying you have to ask time and again, is it God's will that I'm seeking or is it what I want? Are you giving back to Christ, to God? Are you joyful in heart? Are you humble? Are you repentant? Etc., etc. Are we giving to one another? Are we patient, long suffering? These are the gifts. These are, this is Christmas time. These are where you want to understand what gifts you've received. And finally, you want to ask Am I involved in the community? Do they know that I am a Christian? You know, that's our task. We are to evangelize. We're to be out there. I'm not saying you have to club somebody over the head with a Bible. What I am saying is your life must show Christ. Your life must show not my will, but your will be done. Let's pray. Our Father, you have done such great and glorious things for us. You have given us strength. You have given us love. You've given us an ability to, to first seek you. And all of this is because you first loved us. Please, let us return that gift with love to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.